there, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this is exciting because we have a couple of other VR developers with us. We have Thomas Van Bowel, who is the creator of Cubism. And then we also have Alexis Moroz, who was the game director for A Fisherman's Tale. Um, so I'll, I'll kick this off. And then maybe just when you guys are getting ready to putt, maybe you can just uh, give us a little, a little intro, a little backstory, just sort of tell us how you kind of found your way into playing walkabout at this moment. So <laughs> yeah. um, I'll go first. I'm Lucas Martel. By the way, I'm the, oh wait, I'm not first because I'm not the game master. Thomas, you get to go first. Oh, oh yeah, it's me. <laughs> wait, okay. Yeah. So, uh, should I just give my intro now then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, give, okay, yeah sure. just tell us a little bit about yourself yeah. and how you kind of, yeah, how you got into VR development and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, hey, my, my name is Thomas. Um, I'm, I made a puzzle game on Quest called uh, Cubism. I, I actually have a background in, in architecture originally, um, but I sort of found my way um, into VR development. At first as a hobby, like it was a fun way to sort of learn uh, to mm -hmm. develop VR and to make, uh, uh, you know, things in VR. and, and Cubism was a sort of hobby project at first that kind of spiraled out of control and yeah, <laughs> it launched on Quest and I'm now sort of doing it full time. Um, yeah, so that's that's the short version of it. But that, That's awesome. I love Cubism, the, the, the sort of like the, the simple mechanic of the puzzle design, but that you can add more and especially just like with the VR, it's one of those things that unless you've tried it, the actual putting them together, it's like, it's so satisfying when you get everything to just click right into place. So yeah. Oh, um, well, yeah, I won't do a long intro to my to myself, but yeah, I'm the creator of Walkabout. My story is actually very similar to yours. I was pretty much a solo dev. This the whole mini golf thing was just sort of a side project. My background is more in animation, um, and then yeah, I got um, I now now we've got a, a small team working on this. So. And you'd think that I would be better at it, but I'm more focused on talking than I am on putting. So I'm going to hang okay. my head in shame. So I will totally profit from your uh, experiences and know where not to shoot, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, as you said, I'm uh, Alexis Moroz. Um, I um, was a gaming director on Fisherman's Tale. I've actually been working in the video game industry for like the last 15 years. I had the, the huge luck of uh, working with many companies, including, okay, exactly the same error. Ah, cool. <laughs> no, <laughs> including, that's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> Ubisoft and uh, Quantic Dream or Gameloft, uh, like big companies, but also lots of indies. Then mm -hmm. uh, I went uh, oh, no. uh, to do game design uh, freelance. And uh, finally, uh, I had the chance to join uh, um, Space VR. Uh, as they worked on a few experiences, and then I, uh, I brought my uh, game design uh, expertise, <laughs> if I dare say. Uh, huh? Then uh, we, we created a Fisherman's Tale. We're actually working on uh, uh, finishing to, to work on a, a new project uh, that I can't talk <laughs> much about, uh, sadly enough. Uh, and beyond that, uh, I also created another company uh, quite recently, about a year ago. Uh, about um, impact game, so that's called war okay. game. It's about trying to to do games that have uh, like a positive impact. So, oh, yeah, awesome! That's it. That's the whole resume. The whole resume. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Fisherman's Tale was probably one of the one of the first because yeah, no, we had actually met in real life. We had met at Indiecade yeah. in Paris in Absolutely. like 20, 
15, I think. So I think the game was done at that point, or were you showing off an in-progress version of uh, Fisherman's Tale at that point? No, as you said, it was uh, already released on uh, uh, Steam and PSVR, I think. So okay. uh, it was uh, among the, the, the first batch of games. <laughs> so Thomas, just because I know your game probably from a visual standpoint is probably I mean, it's it's very simple. It's that doesn't. It's very well executed. But I mean, you're not trying to push the system. You're not trying to render huge environments or it anything like that. Little, yeah. <laughs> Do you really run into many issues at all with trying to run on on Quest, or oh, do you have to do a no, whole lot in, to optimize? No, not in the traditional sense, for sure. Like um, because the game is mostly cubes and <laughs> cubic shapes, right? Um, yeah. It's so it's it's definitely not like I'm not running into like any. Polygon limits or anything like this. Um, mm -hmm. But oh dang! <laughs> oh maybe no. Okay, um, but uh, I think optimization. It still had to happen when I was going through you know, the QA process before launching on quests. Um, yeah. But it was more about object management. Like there's a lot of small components that get reused to sort of draw the puzzles, and doing that sort of yeah. efficiently. Um, you know, it was that sort of stuff. But yeah, I didn't have to do yeah. the traditional, you know, optimizing shaders or optimizing geometry and stuff like this for for a game like this. Uh, to, to get it running, oh, totally. and there's definitely performance overhead that I was able to use to, you know, support things like 120 hertz and, and head tracking and stuff like this because yeah, it's such a simple game. You can turn on all of the bells and whistles, which I am not exactly. jealous at exactly. all of that being able to, <laughs> to do that. Did you remember correctly? You designed the first courses on Gravity Sketch, or were you using some sort Gravity of Gravity Sketch? Gravity Sketch is newer, but or uh, I guess maybe not the oh, first couple, but we, we use. We use Gravity Sketch a lot. Typically, we'll start off with just a really rough sketch. Like, we'll literally just be using, like, the pen tool to just, like, figure out, like, how you're going to flow through the course yeah. because it is so quick. Like, literally, like, where you'd normally do a top-down sketch, we'll do that, but in VR, which really allows you to... Um, it allows you to just, yeah, kind of figure out, like, where things are going to flow, but literally, you can do it in, like, 10 minutes. And you get verticality, and yeah, you can kind of see right, sight lines. Yeah. You can be like, oh, we want to move this cliff over there because then it'll block the view of this. Or So yeah, we're figuring we, out we, sight lines. Scale is also really huge. The fact that we can go to proper scale and be like, oh, that yeah, that doorway needs to be twice as big or feels like it's wrong. So there's a lot of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just the flow, and it, it really helps with anything organic. So we also then use it to like all of this stuff was pretty much placed in Gravity Sketch because you can just grab the gumdrops and just plop, stamp, 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 stamp. And it would take hours to do that in Blender. But the fact that you're in VR and you have your camera and your the ability to scale, rotate and translate all on a single hand is just sort of like, oh, right. it's I. Yeah, it's so hard it's to go back to, to traditional modeling. It, yeah. it may turn into a, a gravity sketch advertisement, but uh, I have to say that at Inner Space also we, we use it a lot uh, for teamwork. Yeah. It's uh, totally great to be able to be uh, uh, yeah a bunch of people just looking at the, the same models. <laughs> and, uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Balthazar Oxiet, uh, who is a creative director at Inner Space VR, is especially uh, good in uh, gravity sketch. He will. Uh, sketch up uh, things very fast and very uh, yeah. beautifully and accurately uh, you know, just a few gestures it's uh, quite impressive tool <laughs> it was uh, quite impressive oh yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah the the collaboration oh, yeah, feature yeah, yeah. we we have found that we can't really 
like we could not load this whole model into the collaboration version of it. Mm. Um, it's just too heavy for it. Um, but the initial sketches we are able to go around and actually do in person, which is so. Come on, come on, come on. Ah. Ooh. <laughs> um, Close enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have I have no I have no problem sort of the, if this turns into a gravity sketch advertisement because in terms of like things <laughs> that have sort of changed how I think and how I do things, uh, like that's top of the list. So, um, yeah. in fact, yeah, just just today I was literally in there just like um, I call it my Bob Ross place where I just get to just like I'm just <laughs> dropping down happy little trees and a lot of rocks. <laughs> I tend to be the person nice. who tends to get really obsessive about my rocks. So. Happy little mistakes. Happy little mistakes. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Fun. No, it's fine. Happy little mistakes. Put another rock over it and hide the sins. Yeah. Um, okay. I actually wanted to jump back a little bit and ask you, Alexis, just because you you were kind of the classic case where that you had a you had a game that was out for a couple of years and then the quest came along. How was yeah. that porting process? Or you were the director. Were you even very nightmare. involved in the? Were you even no, very not, involved not in the quest so, port? Not so much. In the in the optimization process, uh, but uh, obviously mm -hmm. uh, I heard about it, and uh, the the technical team uh, uh, and artists also did a really impressive job scaling down what had to be scaled down and uh, mm -hmm. trying to yeah retain as much of the charm of uh, the the PC game. Uh, and mm -hmm. I, I think I, I me myself I mostly play it on the quests now because I love the quests much uh, much easier to yeah. use and um, I forget uh, the, the the differences uh, with the original version from time to time I, I see oh yeah there that, there was this special effect or this little uh, mm -hmm. detail but yeah m mostly I I feel um, it's pretty much identical and we, we were lucky yeah. because uh, not every game uh, were able to be ported at all or good uh, well, good enough. Yeah. I, Robo-Recall Robo-Recall suffered mm -hmm. a lot and uh, quite a few other games suffered a lot in, uh, in port uh, to, yeah. to the quest being ported. Okay. Well it also makes I mean yeah. <laughs> Fisherman's Tale is also so much about like you were in a relatively small space it's yeah, not like yeah, yeah. it was a massive like mm. it wasn't open I world mean, graphically <laughs> it was gorgeous yeah it wasn't a big open world thing that you were just happened to sort of like sell scale it was i mean you were selling scale but in yeah. a more literal literal way which that was also one of my i mean in terms of like just puzzle games like the thing that i loved about that i i have this affinity for i love puzzle games that sort of take a mechanic and build a game around it. Like Portal to me is a Absolutely. perfect one. It's yeah. sort of like, oh, here's one cool thing, but then finding 50 different things to do with it. So <laughs> I'm actually kind of curious how that, how that mechanic, and for folks who haven't played Fisherman's Tale, watch the trailer because it's kind of hard to explain, but you're essentially playing in like a, I don't know, if a, a mirror version of, so you can see yourself in the dollhouse and you can like, you can hand stuff down to yourself. You can interact with a giant version of yourself. Which yeah. is very mind trippy, but only works in VR, and it just sell. It just it's such a cool mechanic. I'm yeah. I'm just kind of curious how how you guys came up with that, or what was the process for what, for building uh, that game around you, that mechanic. You you talked about Portal, and obviously uh, Portal and this um, uh, design uh, school of thought of uh, taking uh, bottom up uh, gameplay. You 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 take one gameplay and you build upon it as much as you can. Is something. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, we were really, really interested about. I had, a, um, I have a few uh, 
big game designer references that I love, like uh, Jonathan Blow uh, from Bread on The Witness. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Yeah, g games like that, that I feel are really masters uh, to, to, to this process of uh, taking one uh, conceptual gameplay ideas and then uh, actually like creating a language around it. It's, it's almost like you, you're uh, writing new words that comes from previous words and you, then and that's the hard part and uh, I feel we, we try to do it but obviously compared to those references it's uh, uh, yeah <laughs> trying to, yeah. to do as best as we could. It's, it's about teaching this language to, to the player. This is your first word and uh, and then uh, what can you do with that now that you are Fluent, fluent with this word, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that's uh, really something I always loved. When uh, well, an idea, so, <laughs> the the great thing is so, that sorry, sorry. That, oh no, no, no. The, I was gonna say I think the other thing that is so great about that is that it's easy to say like, oh yeah, pick a mechanic and build a game around it. The reality is though, of like you need to find a mechanic that is both fun. And that is so much fun to sort of like just that scale and the interacting with yourself that it just breaks your brain in a fun way, but then also being able to use it. You also need a mechanic that is flexible enough that allows you to build a game around it, that you're not sort of repeating the same thing, that every puzzle yeah. becomes yeah. a new a new thing. So yeah, that's Absolutely. just yeah. such a, yeah, it's how, such how a awesome. Early enough, well, like um, <laughs> if you have this mechanic, how do you explore it? You know, okay, well, there's, there's um, many things we can do with it and build a game around it. Yeah. I, I guess you're, you're familiar with game jams and stuff like that. Absolutely. I'm a, a big be, big believer in uh, pro prototyping and uh, and uh, mm -hmm. brainstorming and uh, trying to to throw at first as many things as you can uh, at the wall and see what sticks. So yeah, mm -hmm. that was obviously the, the early process was just about uh, uh, discussing and thinking about uh, whatever could be done with uh, this re recursion mechanic. And then, uh, yeah. okay, let's spiral. <laughs> and then uh, prototyping uh, some of those ideas. And we, we actually didn't use all of the ideas we, we were thinking about uh, because some of them weren't as fun as uh, they could have been. Or other were, ooh, ah, a bit weak, sorry. <laughs> other were, were um, hard to, I don't know, uh, uh, explain to the player uh, good enough. And uh, we didn't want, as you say, um, uh, Lucas, to to repeat too much stuff and to to say, okay, you have done this once, and now you do it again and again and again. So uh, that actually explains the relative um, uh, short <laughs> nature of the game. We we explore the idea, we we tell the story we want to uh, to tell, and then. Uh, uh, well, that's it. <laughs> Thanks for yeah, playing. But I, I mean, I also like that, but I'm also, I've got two young kids and just managing this game and everything. I I would much rather have a really tight two-hour experience, which Absolutely. I'm trying to think of how, because it's been, it's been years since I played Fisherman's Tale, but I still remember it. In fact, a couple, I've gotten the copies for a couple of our, uh, the rest of our team just to sort of, to show them. Um, mm. So... I'm trying to remember exactly how long it took me the first time, but it's what's the average playtime on Fisherman's Tale? Is it a couple that's, hours? Probably? As you said, yeah, exactly a couple hours. Uh, exactly as you yeah. said, uh, and that's uh, an average time. Uh, and um, there's quite a bit of variance because puzzle um, mm -hmm. games, uh, and you you know probably what I'm talking about, Thomas, uh, mm -hmm. are 
difficult balancing act. And uh, we actually have a hint system that the player can uh, activate or not uh, if they feel uh, they don't want to be helped uh, yeah. uh, during the game or, uh, or they will, will need to be helped a bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so uh, for, for the really, really uh, better player, uh, it, I feel it could be uh, first play uh, uh, be done in uh, a bit more than uh, one hour, I guess. Uh, some, someone who wouldn't enjoy so much of the environment and uh, run through, but I'm, I'm talking uh, maybe uh, uh, smaller cases, but <laughs> there, yeah. there are some of them. Yeah, and uh, obviously, uh, it, it can go up to three to four hour, uh, hours to people that uh, take their time or. Uh, are blocked, <laughs> not blocked, but uh, doesn't know how to solve uh, this or that puzzle. <laughs> yeah, but again, I feel like that's perfect. And like I said, I would much rather have yeah that tight, couple hour experience than than yeah sort of like something that that repeats itself or just it starts to get grindy. I'd, mm -hmm. I'd much rather have yeah. like the tight feature version than yeah the, the long <laughs> thing. So as you said. Uh, Portal, Portal was a reference on the, the very first Portal. I, I finished it like in three, three, three hours, about three hours back in the day. It was quite a short game with one big That's idea right, yeah. and uh, mm -hmm. a variation on this idea. Portal 2 then um, went much further and added other mechanism and was about eight to right. nine hours, I feel, to complete. But uh, the very I first one, it I was always... enough. It was good. Yeah, I think that is the thing because, yeah, whenever I think of like. I think whenever I think of Portal, I always lump the two of them together and think, like, that wasn't two hours, but oh, you're right, yeah, yeah, that the first one, likely, it was pretty short, it was only the second one when they, yeah, when, when yeah. you were, when they really sort of, like, added a lot more mechanics, and um, oh, it was still on, awesome, on. but I will say, ah. I, I felt like first Portal 1 was the sort of, like, the, the quintessential idea where they didn't necessarily introduce other sort of, like, add-on mechanics as much. Um, right. Ooh, nice. Very nice. I have to say the other thing that I love about cubism is the, this is gonna seem, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this because it's, it's, a very, it's simple, but the level of polish that goes into it, that part of, a big part to me of the, um, of the satisfaction is like, it's the little moments, it's like the little, all the subtle little haptic things, all of the just polish and you think like okay that's just like little things but it's not about one of those it's like all of the hundred little polish things that just make it feel i mean this in the best possible way it almost feels like an ios game a little bit like in this sort of like the, like what i like the apple like game of the year sort of thing like monument valley or just sort of like simple but sort of like just has this extreme level of polish and just like I don't know, it's just like every time those things snap into place, like I just like I get a little dopamine rush. Which <laughs> Nice. I'm kinda I'm kinda curious because how much did you how how much did that break down in terms of like time that you were spending developing the mm. base game versus all mm. of the polish that went into that one, especially as a solo dev. Right. Um Yeah, so oh. <laughs> uh a lot of that a little bit came by accident, I think, because um so the game by design uh, was very minimal because um, I had a full-time job, which I really enjoyed. Um, I was working for... Uh, Whoa. The, oh, that's a great <gasps> shot. <laughs> Thank well you. Done. That was pure luck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it. That's that's pure skill. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh! oh okay, yeah, see? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, okay. it's it, it was... Um, I had a full-time job, which I really enjoyed, uh, working for a VR startup. Um, and so it was sort of a hobby project on the weekend, and, and it was definitely designed to be uh, a thing that could be done on the weekends, uh, just as a, like yeah. a spare time thing, right? Um, 
And that was sort of the, the starting point for me too. Um, I was a very big fan of just minimal games on mobile, on, on iOS really, like, uh, you know, uh, Mini Metro or, uh, I don't know, uh, Monument Valley or things like this. It just felt like, oh, this is actually the perfect scope if you want to work on, on a, a VR game, but you don't have a lot of time. Um, yeah. So, and I didn't really see that many minimal games in VR, and, and that was sort of the, the, the starting point. Like, oh, what what's a simple game mechanic that makes the most of VR, but that's very manageable as a, as a you know, one-man team. Um, yeah. That's, yeah, that's where it started. But then having that, um, and sort of developing it over a long time means you can just sort of focus on, on the small things, right? Like, if you just have one simple game mechanic, you can really focus mm -hmm. on making it accessible and making it very uh, user-friendly and... Yeah, basically, it's a game that shouldn't have taken me three years to get to launch, but it did <laughs> because I took a lot of breaks. Yeah. You know, sometimes I didn't have time to work to me, on it. Um, or, to, yeah, um, but it just needs to get very to impressive, uh, a lot of people. Yeah. This is very impressive to me, to be perfectly honest, because I'm more um, one of those um, uh, early um, development guys uh, who love to, to play. Yeah. We, uh, we spoke about Game Jam with, with uh, the ideas, mm -hmm. the prototypes, and see what works. Yeah, but yeah. having the, the patience and the fortitude to actually uh, polish a game to perfection and, uh, and uh, make sure that everything clicks and everything has the most juice and the uh, game feel it can, mm -hmm. that, that takes really, really uh, patience and uh, rigor and that's uh, very impressive to, sure. to be able to do that, uh, especially on your own. Uh, I mean, when you said you oh, were yeah. on your own, like, uh, I mean, you, you have, didn't have like emulation, people to, to challenge you and <laughs> cheer you up and, uh, and that's uh, <laughs> no, also but, very hard from, did, from experience. <laughs> I, I was working with a, well, so before I started on Cubism, I uh, was working on a project called Panoptic, which is a game that also came out on, on Steam. It's this um, asymmetrical game where one player plays in VR and it's sort of a hide-and-seek game where the PC player needs to sort of hide in a, a crowd of NPCs. Um, mm -hmm. And we were doing this in a, in a group of friends, you know? Um, and so I, I helped out with the early production of this game. Um, but at the time I was living in the States and they were all living in, in Belgium, where I'm from. And it just mm -hmm. became really hard to sort of combine this with a full-time job, you know? It's, that's, that's the difficulty if you're doing it as a hobby sometimes, is to just yeah. be able to contribute meaningfully to, to something like this. So it really was a, a choice at first, but then it sort of worked out in terms of, you know, being able to polish it, <laughs> having, having such a simple game. Oh. So. And, and definitely, like, yeah. it was a solo project, but I always seek out sort of the, the game dev communities in the places that I live. And there's, you, know, mm -hmm. you can find indie devs everywhere, right? It's, it's amazing. So. Um, yeah. It's a bit more difficult now with, with COVID, I guess, to, to meet all these people, but you can always sort of find a place to show games and, and test it and get feedback and stuff. So that was definitely the case throughout, uh, throughout development, at least early on before the whole yeah. situation. But also the whole solo dev situation, you could tell. So you, I'm guessing you had probably released some, at least one or other solo project before then. Was that the one that you were just talking about that was on Steam? Um, yeah, so Panoptic, uh, we had a demo of that out, um, mm -hmm. and then I, I left the team because, yeah, I don't, I didn't feel I could like contribute meaningfully to it, um, yeah. working remotely at the time. Um, so they they sort of uh, continued that project, and now it's out as a full game. Um, okay. And then Cubism was sort of my first personal uh, sort of commercial release. Oh wow, that was your very yeah. first one. Okay, wow, yeah. Because yeah, I know yeah. I had actually, because um, I had done 57 North and Laser Mazer, which were both very small mobile mm. games, but having done that and actually gone through the process of releasing those, especially for solo devs, like right. what we were just talking about in terms of like that being able to polish, but like 
when you say that it took two or three years, even with some breaks in there, like that doesn't surprise me at all. Because yeah, like the, the reality <laughs> is like the making of the the core base game goes pretty quick, but it is all of the polish and all of the like Absolutely. getting ready to launch and just like, yeah. especially when you're shipping on VR and you have to deal with a lot more certification and yeah. going through all that, it takes a lot of time. But Whoa. short games are definitely so much more palatable. I think it's it's been a few years since I've played like a big AAA game that takes you know like yeah. 20 hours to beat. I just I'm just oh, yeah. also not that interested in that anymore. It's just so much nicer to mm -hmm. be able to start something new. You can you can finish it in like an evening or two. You know. Yeah. Well, and I think you reach a certain point in your life career, whatever you want to call it, that you, oh. you like. Mm -hmm. It's also when I finally get a little break. The last thing I want to do is sit in front of a screen or put the headset back on because I mean <laughs> as much fun as it is doing it I'm in the headset four hours a day and in meetings on the screen Absolutely. the rest of the time so yeah it's it's so tough to sort of balance <laughs> to balance the work and passion so uh, I have to uh, I have to reenact um, Augustus Augustus Gloop from uh, oh yes. the chocolate <laughs> factory come on oh, come on oh. <laughs> nice <laughs> Do you have a tube somewhere uh, you can go up? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We yeah, do, you actually. should find something. <laughs> okay, well, I, I, I wait for this one. Nice. <laughs> but uh, the even, even will come out and, and sing you your song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Waiting for them. <laughs> That's so cool. Have you guys messed around much with? Um, Multiplayer had to had to deal with that a whole lot, or are you guys mostly working in single player spaces? Um, so oh, I, uh, oh yeah, go ahead first. No, no, you go, you go, you go. Yeah, <laughs> My yeah. to play. Yeah, in a startup where I used to work before, um, as I mentioned, uh, it was a VR startup uh, called Resolve, and it would make um, software for architects and engineers. So you know, okay. my background was ideal. Um, but it was basically multiplayer software because um, it, it was sort of a whoa, Woo! nice, no way. <laughs> like, That's amazing. Beautifully done. <laughs> well, wow. Uh, no, 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 all, no, 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 I am dumbstruck. Pure skill, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> calculated, calculated. Uh, I will, I'm gonna see the replay of this for sure. <laughs> oh no. Oh, oh but um, Thomas, you were saying, yeah, so, yeah, yeah that was so multiplayer, you, you but, did it with um, the, like... A resolve, it was or, yeah, so collaboration it was sort of a design review tool for, for engineers and, and construction professionals uh -huh. to look at buildings before they're built. Um, but okay. I uh, luckily was working with another engineer who did most of the, <laughs> the multiplayer implementation, okay. so um, I didn't have to, to interface with it too much. But uh, yeah, I've you know done only the basic tutorials, <laughs> uh, sort yeah. of messing around and prototyping, but I haven't gone too deep yet. So yeah, I mean. I will say that one of the other things, and this is maybe where I was kind of angling with that question, is just sort of like, I wonder, we're very lucky that fundamentally adding multiplayer didn't really change the design of this game at mm. all. Um, you know, it's there's some technical stuff and a couple of things you need to allow for, but change the core Sorry. gameplay. So, but yeah, I could see sort of like if you were doing a puzzle game, especially multiplayer, like that's a totally yeah. different game and a completely different design. So, um, yeah, right. certain games are easier or more difficult to do, but we also don't have to deal with like balancing or any of the things that really make multiplayer hard in most cases. So, yeah. Right. yeah like okay. Ownership spoiler is spoiler alert! Uh, you want to to aim for the blue one? <laughs> uh, the blue one? 
Uh, I, I think so, I guess. The, the green one, one and the red one feel further. Oh, orange one, sneaky, sneaky, orange one, my bad. Where is the orange one? Okay. Oh, right here. Yeah, okay. yeah it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I feel the orange one will be better. Lucas, what is the right <laughs> answer? <laughs> you know? Okay. Uh, Henning just changed these, so. Right before we launched, we changed them, so I don't know which one. It oh, used yeah. to be the orange one, but then we totally changed how the whole place. Ah, no, don't tell me that's later. Oh, <laughs> the right, last moment. Just to okay. throw off the alpha Just to shake list. your confidence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel my... I, I trust my gut. Okay. Mm -hmm. Come on. Woohoo! Let's no, see. Let's nice. I have to say, from a, from a design ah. standpoint, that's pretty good. I'll try a different yeah. one just to... Just to mix it up. Good enough, good enough. <laughs> I'll try the green one here. Um, one of the things that is so nice about doing this particular game, <laughs> oh, pretty much the same spot, um, yeah. is the, the blue just there, so we all have one. Yeah, the blue will bounce yeah. maybe and go back. No, <laughs> you know what? Oh, well, you have oh, to hit it in the blue here. pipe first. For yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, this uh, that was, I wanted to stay here. I like it here. <laughs> Um, but no, but what I was starting to say is like one of the nicest things about working on this game is that we get to do the larger world building stuff, but it's also mm -hmm. like each hole is its own little puzzle and you can change them up and you can adjust them and sort of like you're, you know, you're not, yeah. it's not like, I mean, Fisherman's Tale is a great example of one where like, yeah. if you change something early on, it's going to have repercussions and it's going to sort of like, it's going to change how people view stuff or how certain things later on play, so it's much more difficult to sort of like get that right and dial it in. Um, yeah, that's been that's been so nice. But I'm also kind of curious, Thomas, when you guys when you're doing puzzle design, are you doing that because it's so three dimensional? What's mm. your what's kind of your process for doing puzzle design for Cubism? Right. Um, so actually. After I built the first prototype, the first thing I built was um, a little. Oh, it's just me. <laughs> um, uh, it was a little level editor in VR, just because I knew okay. uh, doing puzzle design was going to be a very iterative thing. Um, so being able mm -hmm. to do that very quickly um, was very important. Uh, so I had like this very rudimentary um, um, level editor, and it would just sort of, yeah, let me draw puzzles and solve them at the same time uh, within the headset. Okay. Um, and yeah, we just save it to sort of the puzzle format I had. Um, so that's yeah. For 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 me, um, the process is really just iterating over a puzzle uh, uh, many times. Mm -hmm. Usually starting from the shape and then filling in the pieces, um, and then usually like leaving it aside for maybe a day or something, so I can look at it with fresh eyes. Um, mm -hmm. And then it's just a lot of playtesting usually too to just make sure I, I have the, the difficulty right. You know, that's um, yeah. That's that's something I found. I was gonna... Playtesting is just so so essential. So. I could see that especially because I know there was there were a couple of ones that I got like they weren't any harder but for some reason I had something that I was mentally doing the wrong way and it would take nope. me longer but it didn't nothing ever sort of like got me stuck because I ha I've had that experience with other games where like oh there's this one thing and you can't rock it and you end up spending right. like an hour just on this one puzzle I never had that experience so right you could tell that yeah that no, there was that's... a decent bit are there multiple ways of solving the, the there are, yeah, yeah. You can definitely, if you can fill the grid, it's a valid solution. So some okay. some puzzles only have one uh, solution, but some some definitely have multiples. But um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's definitely difficult for a game like this to to design something that well, uh, is both a challenge and, and is you know accessible to most people. And to, to me, yeah. like the answer there was less about like adding hints and more about giving people the flexibility of sort of skipping ahead. It, um, if if you're stuck on something, you could just go to 
sort of the next uh, puzzle. It's it's pretty generous in how complete oh, yeah, yeah, works yeah. everything. But uh, mm -hmm. um, Alexis, that that's sort of a lost the ball. Lost the ball. Sorry. Because no, no, because right you, um, you have you had to do a lot of playtesting for um, Fisherman's Tale and and and. To get that sort of balance of difficulty of puzzles right and, and making sure yeah, not everybody gets uh, stuck. Yeah, definitely. That's also something coming from the Portal <laughs> School of Design. But playtesting yeah, yeah. Uh, is obviously key uh, to, to, to balance mm -hmm. uh, any kind of game. So, um, in um, the case of uh, Fisherman's Tale, uh, I had the luck to, um, to come from an um, uh, escape game background. I actually uh, uh, mm. designed. Um, Quite a few escape game in in, in Paris, nice. uh, about uh, okay. twelve. Uh, I mean, live uh, rooms, escape rooms. Maybe I think it's escape rooms in, in English, and not escape games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so um, th those were about uh, three or four years of um, playtesting of sorts, because uh, you, you design those right. rooms. And then when, when it opens, you, you see lots of people playing uh, through those cameras. And that's uh, right. a built-in uh, playtesting session, <laughs> I guess. Because yeah, uh, if you're familiar with those kind of games, the game master is here to, to assist the player, to, to watch them and assist them, make sure they don't destroy everything, obviously. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I was uh, the game master from my, from my rooms uh, at first, obviously. That's awesome. And it's a very interesting place to be, to see all players uh, act with puzzles, how they think, how they, they handle yeah. stuff. And uh, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I definitely used a lot of this experience for Fisherman's Tale. When you're doing the in-person rooms, how much are you able to sort of dial in stuff mm. after the room is built? Like, are you actually changing it um, in real life oh. to dial it in a little bit? Uh, for for physical space, uh, for physical uh, yeah. game rooms? Uh, yeah, well, not so hard actually to, to make easier, uh, most of the time you want to make stuff easier, not harder, because game designers don't realize <laughs> and they, they yeah. are inside their puzzles and they do uh, too, too hard stuff. But making mm -hmm. stuff easier is mostly about giving the same kind of hints that you, you have been given as a game master, but including them in some way in documents that players uh, will find okay. them around. So that's obviously basically the, the simplest way to, to adjust puzzles. Uh, and there's, there are other ways more costly, but uh, this, this, uh, this way of doing it uh, covers most of the, the case. It's that's true. It's not, like it, uh, it's not like you're rebuilding <laughs> the whole room. You're just yeah, adding no, a little no. bit more information <laughs> to the bits that you're finding. Yeah. It's too long. There's one, one, one room we have to, to destroy. <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's really about uh, giving other clues uh, inside the game. And actually, you, you increase uh, uh, search and exploration when you, you increase uh, the clues uh, that you give in a general sense, because it's not only papers, it uh, can be uh, symbols and paintings and posters and uh, any, any kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, definitely if you if you teach the player that they can find clues when looking around, they'll no! probably start looking come around back, more, come right? Back, come back. Oh no! Sorry. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to ask you before, like, where do you find the cutoff yeah. between um, having a difficult puzzle that is like a nice challenge for most people, and and just adding a hint so people don't get stuck? Like, wow. would you more quicker make a puzzle easier, or uh, like, would you keep a difficult puzzle because you do want to have that? Well, <laughs> that's actually why we, uh, we we wanted to have this hint system uh, in inside of Fisherman's Tale because yeah, no. second option. Is better, especially when you have a, a, a way 
to, to allow players to choose for themselves. Do they want to be uh, assisted at some point uh, with uh, one first hint, then a second uh, subtle hint, and finally maybe something close to the solution, but uh, always given in a nice way, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I guess. Machinarium or Machinarium, depending on how you pronounce it, but they had the mm -hmm. hint system in there that it the hints were little puzzles in and of themselves, but they no. just did something. It was just so clever how they kind of created like a little arcade game. If you haven't played it, they kind right. of make this little arcade game that you have to beat in order to unlock the hint, but even then the hint is Oh, like, Machinarium, Machinarium, yeah, yeah. The scroll shooter, the scroll shooter to open the, the book. So, so nice, so cute. Yeah. Oh, totally, Maybe yeah. we well, should I mean, talk around the, a cup of tea. Oh yeah, yeah let's yeah, go set up the tea table. Yeah. That'll, that'll be a much more photogenic sort of like spot. Um, <laughs> exactly. this this I like this as like the, I get it. The, this could be like <laughs> the post game. Me... This is, yeah. The, yeah, this can be the, I feel like this is and like our set for the, for the interview show or something now. Oh, that's so nice! I didn't see. I love the attention to detail. Sorry, <laughs> interrupting, but oh, uh, yeah. it's a it's a small yeah. uh, small uh, fairway, a small how do you say, putter green, putter. Uh... That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, thanks for thanks everybody for watching. We'll um, yeah, we'll see you on the next one. Cool. Cheers. Bye. Thanks. <laughs>